fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Forget him, kid. To infinity and beyond! It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me, and my natural response could be to get offended. Well, fine, let's talk about it. Any thoughts of, of your own on this matter? Or do you, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own idea just to impress some girls? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Hello and welcome to the 30-something movie podcast. I am your host, John Reed. A couple of quick things before we get started. We are a spoiler podcast. We just talk freely. So if we start to mention a movie and you don't want to hear about it, hit that skip button a couple of times, jump ahead maybe 20, 30 seconds, and we should be done talking about it at that point. That'll save you from getting spoiled on something you don't want to get spoiled on. Also, go check out our website, 30podcast.com. There are ways for you to leave us a message, leave us a voicemail, check out all the episodes that we've done up to this point, as well as get any other announcements for upcoming things that are happening on the show. It also has a couple of spots where you can check out reviews that folks have left, leave your own reviews, and it's got a spot where you can join us over on Patreon. We've got a Patreon page where we have bonus content each and every month coming out for our Patreon. We like to call them co-executive producers. So if you want to join us over there, help support the show, that is over at our Patreon page, which you can get to by going to the donate link at 30podcast.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the 30-something movie podcast. I almost went full-on Mrs. Doubtfire there for a second, but mm-hmm. thought better of it, pulled it back. Like, just let's, let's let Robin Williams do the stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I am your host, John Reed. This is the this is the 30-something movie podcast. I have with me, as always, Patrick Canagallo. Pat, how are you doing? Great, John. How are you? Excellent. Doing excellent. And Bo Warmbold. Bo, how's it going? Pretty well, John. Yourself? Good. I am doing good. Ready for ready for a bit of a run-by-fruiting of a movie? Yes, it was a run-by-fruiting. <laughs> All right. Well, this one is Mrs. Doubtfire. So I think we'll just go ahead and jump on into the movie here. This one came out November 24th, 1993 at a runtime of two hours and five minutes was rated PG 13. Chris Columbus directed this one. He also did home alone and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone writers were Randy Mayhem singer and Leslie Dixon singer did tooth fairy and Dixon did limitless producers were Marsha Garces Williams, Robin Williams and Mark Radcliffe. The Williamses did Jacob, the liar and Mark Radcliffe did Home Alone 2 and Rent. Howard Shore was the composer. He did the Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings. Well, he did all the Lord of the Rings movies. And the movie Spotlight. Cinematographer was Donald McAlpine, who did Moulin Rouge and X-Men Origins Wolverine. Editor was Raja Gosnell, who did Home Alone and Pretty Woman. Budget was $25 million. Box office was $441.3 million. So it done okay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
it done okay. I'm actually going to stop for just a second before I go on with the rest of the stuff here because I had been just very, very recently had been going through all of my DVDs and Blu-rays and all kinds of other stuff, and I had been cataloging everything so that when I go out places, I don't accidentally buy multiple copies of things I already own. And I found, and I kind of forgot that I had this, and I'm not sure that I've actually ever watched the whole thing. I have a DVD here that is a kind of a documentary DVD on Howard Shore, the making of the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Oh, wow. Really? That's got to be super cool. Yeah, it's I, I have I don't believe I've watched it. It is 52 minutes. It's called okay. it's called Creating the Lord of the Rings Symphony. Huh. Yeah, it's Howard Shore creating the Lord of the Rings Symphony, a composer's journey through Middle Earth. You, the, you gentlemen who have the visuals here will be able to see this, but very uh-huh. cool. Yeah, I, I must have bought this at like a library book sale at some point when they were selling DVDs and CDs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know that I've ever actually watched this, and now that I found it, I'm like, I need to watch this. So yeah, well, it sounds really. It sounds pretty awesome. So I, I will watch it, and then at some point I will, if you gentlemen are interested or if any of the other co-hosts are interested, I will happily pass it along to let you guys watch it too. Awesome. Yeah, I would totally. So, I would very it. much like that. It looked like a lot of fun. All right, the actors in this one. Robin Williams passed away. It's almost been 10 years now. That's kind of hard to believe oh, that it's been that long. He died in 2014. He plays Daniel Hillard and Mrs. Euphigenia Doubtfire, dear, in this movie. I didn't write down this trivia thing, but I believe he says the word dear something like 121 times in this movie. Oh, wow. Something crazy like that. You know, some movies you count up the number of kills. Some some movies you count up the number of F-bombs. And in this one, you count up the number of times he says dear. Mm-hmm. So. Robin Williams was in Goodwill Hunting, Dead Poets Society, among many other things. Sally Field played Miranda Hillard. She was in Forrest Gump and Steel Magnolias. Pierce Brosnan was Stu Dunmire. He was in Goldeneye and Mamma Mia. Lisa Jacob was Lydia Hillard. She was in Independence Day and The Beautician and the Beast. Matthew Lawrence was Chris Hillard. He was in Boy Meets World, the TV series, and The Hot Chick. Mara Wilson played Natalie Hillard. She was in Matilda and Miracle on 34th Street. Harvey Fierstein was Frank from Hairspray and Independence Day. Robert Prosky, who died in 2008, played Jonathan Lundy, was in Dead Men Walking and The Great Outdoors. Polly Holiday played Gloria, Gloria Cheney, she was in Gremlins and All of Me. And Anne Haney, who died in 2001, played Mrs. Selner. She was in Liar Liar and The American President. So according to one of the biographies, Robin Williams decided to test out how believable this character was during the filming by putting on his entire Mrs. Doubtfire makeup and bodysuit and clothing and everything else and walked into a bookstore of an adult persuasion and made some purchases and he was able to do so without being recognized. Yeah, there you go. That's crazy. Which I'm sure was an interesting experience for the person running the store. You know, during the scene where Mrs. Selner comes to inspect Daniel's apartment and Daniel slash Mrs. Doubtfire is serving her tea, the icing on his slash her face is melting off. This was not intentional at all. The heat from the lights on set were actually melting the icing and Robin Williams pretty much improvised the entire scene. (laughs) 
speaking of Robin Williams, and the next couple of things are basically how he improvised a ton of this movie, and that's kind of how he tended to roll. Chris Columbus would use two or three cameras at a time when shooting Robin Williams' scenes because he didn't quite know exactly what he was going to come up with. So he would set up two or three different cameras, shoot the scenes as if they were making a documentary, and just let him go. And then whatever they picked up, they picked up, and one camera might get something, another camera might get get something else, but did that so that they could pick up a lot of his improvisations. Um, the, other, the other thing on this one, too, is according to Chris Columbus, Robin Williams improvised so much of this movie that there was a PG a PG-13, and an R-rated edit of the film. Uh, They always intended it to be PG-13, but Mm. because of all the material that they had filmed for this, you could have cut this into a movie-rated PG, PG PG-13, or even R. Interesting. The character itself of Mrs. Doubtfire was first performed by Robin Williams at a show Andy Kaufman did at Carnegie Hall. Williams was pretending to be Kaufman's grandmother, and it was very much like what the Mrs. Doubtfire character would come out to be. And I figured this, but I, I don't know that I had really heard this before, that this movie is actually based on a British novel called Alias Madame Doubtfire. During the mid-70s, the British author Anne Fine walked by kind of a little shop that was selling jewelry and old furs and things like that, and she didn't actually have time to meet the shop owner, but the shop owner's name was Madame Doubtfire. And so she <laughs> remembered the name when she wrote her book in the mid-80s and decided that that was a fun name for her character. Supposedly, the book of Madame Doubtfire is fairly similar to the movie. It's There's still Daniel and Miranda Hillard, and they are separated. The wife is a successful businesswoman. And Daniel, instead of being a cartoon voice actor, he is an out-of-work actor moonlighting as a nude model for an amateur art class. That's a different movie. Slightly different. That may be the R-rated cut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. So. Although it sounds amusing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, in, in that one, too, I, it sounds like in the book, the children find out a lot quicker that that is their father and that instead of being more of like a, a nanny and a cook and things like that. He's not a very good nanny, but he's an excellent gardener. And so I guess by the end of the book, spoiler alert, if you want to read the book, by the end of the book, the ex-wife actually hires him on to be the gardener so that he can spend time around the kids. Hmm. So has some has some similarities. Yeah. All right. Uh, our synopsis for this one. In a world where divorce separates father from children... Robin Williams becomes the nanny they never expected. Sally Field, unsuspecting and looking for help. Pierce Brosnan, the new man with charm. The kids, caught in the middle of it all. When family matters most, he'll do anything, even if it means becoming Mrs. Doubtfire. Hello? I'm Euphigenia Doubtfire, dear. Bon appetit! It's homework time. You can't imagine what it was like being married to Daniel. He sounds like an absolute stallion. Daddy! Hello, dear! Oh! Man! 
Robin Williams. A man who'd do anything. Back off! Got a time here. To see his kids. Oh. Mrs. Doubtfire. My first day as a woman. I'm getting hot flashes. I read something in the the what do you call it the uh, trivia yeah that not when John Ron, Robin Williams would do these scenes they said some of these scenes he would just keep doing and going and improvising until he kind of had it worked out of his system yeah oh yeah and 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 it, that was just amazing to me and then I was trying to read whether he had it worked out in terms of this is how I want the scene to go or or just I just have to go until I've got no more material and I wasn't sure how to take that but the the improv and I know you hit some of those points, but my gosh, just that just thinking of that incredibly incredible talent, you know, mm-hmm. when crafting and creating this stuff, that's just it's very, very humbling, very awe inspiring. That's why I feel like the times where we've the movies that we've seen that are Robin Williams movies and the times where we read either in the trivia or somewhere else that it was the director just recognized, look, he's a force of nature it's not going to do me much good to really direct him too much. All Mm -hmm. I need to do really is set up like what Chris Columbus did here. Let me set up several cameras. Let me have an unending supply of tape. (laughs) Just, and let me just hit record. Go nuts, man. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of like if you're, I've never been a professional sports coach, but I would imagine it would be like if you have a professional sports coach and I don't know, Michael Jordan's on your team. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, you're going to be coaching the team and you're going to be coaching you're going to be coaching Jordan in some capacity. But I kind of get the feeling that a lot of times you probably just step aside and let him do what he do. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like Robin Williams would be the same way, because if, if you've watched any anybody listening, if you've watched any of his whenever anybody tries to interview him, mm-hmm. you basically just don't. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it goes off the rails quick any if it was i've seen him get interviewed by craig ferguson david letterman when he was on one of my favorites is when he's on inside the actor studio mm-hmm. that and, is good oh that is such a good episode but you can tell like <laughs> james lipton is like i have a set of questions there's there's these uh, cards you see yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i have to ask the questions that, that are on the cards you see <laughs> this guy reads from a card <laughs> but yeah, you can tell he just kind of like I'm. I'm just gonna sit back here. I'll just. I'll. I'll just. I'll let the hurricane do its work. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I. I think that's when. That's when directors knew him best was when they just set up the cameras, hit record, and just said, "And action." Well, the major moments for this one, we've kind of broken the plot down into about 10 major moments just to kind of walk you through it. If it's been a while since you've seen it or if you haven't seen it at all, we always recommend if you have not seen it at all, pause this, go watch it and then come on back. This one is definitely a fun one that you're going to want to see. So go watch the movie first and then come on back here. So major moments, the first set of major moments, Daniel, we, we kind of get introduced to him right away that he is a a voiceover artist for cartoons. And I believe this entire kind of opening segment, it very much had the kind of, you know, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Chuck Jones kind of animation to it. And I believe it was, it was definitely that entire segment was animated. And I believe after this movie came out, they did actually release 
I don't know if it was as a bonus, you know, on the DVD of this movie or somewhere else. They released the cartoon that he's doing the voiceover for at the beginning of the movie as its own mm-hmm. little separate cartoon. But we get the idea he is he has let go from his job because he does not like to, as irony would have it, as Robin Williams does himself, does not like to stick to the script mm-hmm. and is is kind of sticking up for the children's characters by not exactly liking the fact that they're smoking cigarettes and doing things that obviously he wouldn't want his own children to do. So he gets fired from his job, comes home and throws a surprise birthday party for his son against his wife, Miranda's wishes. Complete with petting zoo and all sorts of exciting things. As you do, as you do. And we get the sense that this party is just is is kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm not sure if the camel was at the party or not, but it is the straw that broke the camel's back. And Miranda has decided it is over. It is time for them to get a divorce. And he loses custody of their three kids due to his unstable employment and his living conditions. While he's trying to secure a job and home to regain some custody of his kids, he learns of Miranda's need for a housekeeper. He then sabotages her classified ads, impersonates various callers, and eventually introduces himself as Mrs. Doubtfire. Daniel seeks the help of his makeup artist brother Frank and his partner Jack to create a believable old British nanny disguise, complete with makeup, prosthetics, and attire. Impressed by the persona of Mrs. Doubtfire during the interview, Miranda hires her on the spot. Under this disguise, Daniel begins to reconnect with his children. As Mrs. Doubtfire, Daniel becomes more responsible, learning housekeeping skills, earning Miranda's respect. However, he grows increasingly jealous of Miranda's new boyfriend, Stu, played by Pierce Brosnan. Because who's probably not going to be jealous of Pierce Brosnan? Indeed. You know, these these are facts. Just the facts, mm-hmm. man. The children then discover the truth. Lydia and Chris stumble upon their father's secret identity as Mrs. Doubtfire. They decide to keep the secret to continue spending time with him. Daniel is invited, is divide, I was going to say, is invited, but said divided, and that still works, is invited and divided into two important dinners on the same night, one as himself with the TV station CEO Jonathan Lundy, and another as Mrs. Doubtfire with Miranda's family. Juggling both leads to hilarious mishaps, including Daniel getting drunk and inadvertently revealing Mrs. Doubtfire's identity to Lundy, and sabotaging Stu's meal with some hot jambalaya. The reveal at the end, after having, after saving a choking stew at the restaurant, Daniel's disguise as Mrs. Doubtfire gets compromised. A horrified Miranda discovers his secret, and in a subsequent scene on a custody hearing, the judge limits Daniel to supervised visits only, devastating him and the rest of the children. Daniel transforms his Mrs. Doubtfire persona into a beloved nationwide children's TV show host, gaining immense popularity and success. It's a bit of a Mr. Rogers kind of moment for Daniel at the end there. And then realizing the importance of Daniel's involvement in the kids' lives, Miranda does reconcile with him and arranges joint custody. The movie ends with the heartwarming message of Mrs. Doubtfire, emphasizing that love always prevails in families, no matter what the circumstances are. Was there anything? We'll, we'll dive more into some of the scenes and, and favorite scenes and things like that as we get into our deep thoughts. Anything else you guys feel like I missed? Uh, I did skip over the run by fruiting, but we did reference that earlier. So It was a run by fruiting. It's one of I, my favorite I, scenes. I, I saw him. It was a run by fruiting. It's so good. Oh, he went that way, dear. Yes. 
And then he sits down and the other guy at the bar looks and goes, what are you looking at? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. That's good stuff. It's time for Deep Thoughts. And now, Deep Thoughts. I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. It's, it's very deep. Thank you. All right. Do you like this movie, and when was the first time you remember seeing it? I think we saw it when it came out, and I liked it. It was hysterical. It's Robin Williams. It just kind of let to go. We've already talked about it a little bit, that he was just let to do his thing, and he did it really well. I agree with both synopsis of it. I saw it, I, maybe we went to the theater, but I saw it when it came out, or you know, as soon as it made it to video. We saw it pretty early on. Robin Williams is amazing in it. And it's my recollection from the last time I saw it, which maybe I saw it. I've seen it a couple of times, but if I've seen it, if I've seen it more than once, I've, I've seen it no more than this would maybe be the third or fourth time I've seen the movie, mm-hmm. which I don't even think it was that many. So yeah, but that's kind of, that's what I remember. Robin Williams, amazing and funny. Yeah, if, if anybody has listened to more than two episodes of this podcast, then you know I love Robin Williams and grew up with a family that enjoyed Robin Williams. So I guarantee we saw this in the theater. I guarantee the entire family really enjoyed it. So that is always... I haven't watched this one a ton. I think we were talking before we started recording about how this was not... This movie of so many of Robin Williams' other movies is not necessarily a, a big repeat viewing movie. It's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like we had said, I know me, myself, I've seen Hook and Dead Poets Society and Good Morning Vietnam and What what Dreams May Come. And I've seen so many of his other movies more often than I've seen this. I've still seen this one at least half a dozen times, if, if not, maybe a couple more than that. But yeah, I, for some reason or another, and I don't know, Bo, I think you might have said this too, but I don't know that I can explain it. But this one is just not, unless I am introducing the kids to it, which I think we watched it for the first time together maybe a year ago, maybe less than that. But yeah, unless I'm introducing it to somebody else, I don't know that I have, I don't know that I have too much of a reason to come back to this one. As much as I enjoy it, and as much as I enjoy Robin Williams' performance and the scenes and everything else, if I'm picking a Robin Williams movie, I I still love this one, but I'm probably going to pick a different one to rewatch more so than I am this one. Mm-hmm. But I do love the, and I think it kind of mixes some of the things that that we enjoy. You know, we, our kids, we always watched a lot of Mr. Rogers growing up, and my kids always watched a lot of Mr. Rogers growing up. Like, that was one of the shows that we watched, and, and we were intentional about that, and that's one of the things I really like about what the Mrs. Doubtfire character becomes at the end is, a kind of a, a calming, a, a TV influence that is calming on children and uh, lets them know that everything's going to be okay. And, and that, I think, is the, the appeal of Mr. Rogers, is that in the midst of all the other flashy stuff that kids have, you can have something like a Mr. Rogers who is just a kind older man that's going to sit there and tell you, you know what, your family's going through something tough. That's okay. That happens. And I, I love how the movie ends that way, is that Mrs. Doubtfire has basically become like a Mr. Rogers. And I'm like, okay, cool. This this movie mixes 
so many of the things we enjoy. We enjoy Mr. Rogers. I enjoy Robin Williams. And it, I think it does a, a really nice job of mixing his different strengths, mixing his strength of being a good dramatic actor, who's somebody who can do the heartfelt scenes and not have it come across as being goofy, but he can also do the crazy, goofy, comedic scenes, and it's awesome, and, and he's amazing at it. So I think this movie does a really great job of blending those two things and showcasing his entire range of what he can do. Do you have... This may be a bit of a loaded question. Do you have a favorite scene from this movie? God, that's crazy. But the <laughs> run by fruiting is always stuck in my head. There's yeah. a thousand others. I mean, every other moment he's doing something goofy, but I think run by fruiting is uh, mm-hmm. where it's at for me. Yeah. I don't know if I have a favorite scene. Yeah. I did always think as a kid, I remember, I always thought the TV shows where somebody had like, what was it? The Was it Brady Bunch? where one of the guys was on a date with two girls at the same time, so he had to run him back and forth to the two different tables of the restaurant. You know, and there's a bunch of other shows that have done the same thing. Like somebody accidentally arranges two meetings at the same time or two dates at the same time, and you got to do that whole back and forth thing. And I remember as a kid thinking that that scene was hilarious, of him like trying to get back and forth between the, the table where his family is and the table where his potential boss is, and how, as he's <laughs> as he's going back and forth between the two, getting more and more drunk the more he sits at the table with the CEO, and then getting back to his family and, <laughs> and like the falling. look on his face with that that last time, he's like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh boy, you he's having a he's having a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I thought that was that was a pretty good scene, but yeah, even the scenes where you know some of it again probably. You probably can't play it as acceptably nowadays, but, you know, some of the scenes where he's applying to be the different nannies and, you know, using the different voices and some of the different things that he says. and um, Yeah, it yeah. definitely pushes some boundaries for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it has, it, there may be some parts of it that have not aged well, but I think sometimes with Robin Williams and, and with a lot of different comedians, that's going to be the case because, you know, sometimes what was funny 30 years ago, not everything that was funny 30 years ago is still going to be funny or acceptable today. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're going to run into that no matter what. But And this has just such a great set of, just a great cast of characters. You know, his the his brother Frank, just with that gravelly voice, he's been in so many other things. It was Independence Day. Mm-hmm. so many mm-hmm. other movies and it's just when you hear his voice you just immediately know you know you immediately know oh yeah i that's that's that guy but yeah he's been in so many i there's so many different tv shows or things when i hear him start to talk i'm like oh yeah that's the uh, that's the brother from mrs doubtfire yeah mm-hmm. he's definitely a recognizable character that's for sure yeah yeah, I think, uh, and I think the kids, I think the kids did a great job too. I mean, I think sometimes in some of these movies, you get so many different child actors of very different ages. And, you know, the, the really little girl in this one, Natalie, I think was her name, the the youngest mm-hmm. daughter. I remember, I think as kids watching the Matilda movie and the newer version of Miracle on 34th Street. And of course she was a, a great little actress in those and she's probably the the best part of the three kids in this one too. It's yeah, usually, she's just awesome. It's it's usually the cute youngest one. 
<laughs> that's, yeah. that's always the kid that is the most appealing. Yes. Yeah, there's, and I think I might have mentioned this too, there's just, there's something about this movie that does a really good job, I think, of mixing the comedy with the the dramatic part of it and it's got that that kind of it's a it's a very sweet family movie but at the same time it's also a little sad and a little depressing in a lot of different ways because it's not one of those where you don't you don't have like the magical hollywood ending of oh they got back together and everything is going to go back to a a quote unquote normal happy family no they're they're not getting back together, but they are. There's a new normal that they're working with, and and I think it does a good job of balancing that because I think otherwise it could. And again, I don't know how the book I don't know how the book ends up reading, but it sounds like it's quasi positive in the book that the the father becomes the gardener and can spend more time with his kids. You know, it kind of sounds like, and in this one too, it's it's similar. You have a somewhat happy ending in that he's going to get to see his kids more because he'll take care of them and he's also got his TV show and things tend to work out but you know they're never going to go back to all living under the same roof as they did before. Mm-hmm. And that kind of made me think of there's a couple of other Robin Williams movies that are the same way. Have, have you guys I know I've mentioned it before. Have you guys seen the movie What Dreams May Come? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one kind of same thing. Like there's so much in that movie that is just heavy and depressing and there's a lot <laughs> in that movie and and yet Agreed. at the same time like there's also so much that's good and positive and and even though things don't even necessarily end the way you'd expect them to you kind of end the movie like oh things are different now but i guess that's okay and that's kind of how this one ends it's like it doesn't end necessarily with a quote unquote happy ending it ends with a huh yeah, things are different now, and that's okay. And that's kind of the whole message that, as, as Mrs. Doubtfire is responding to the little boy's letter that she gets on her show, that's kind of the whole message is, yeah, things are different, and they might never go back to the way they were, but it's okay. It'll be all right. Yes. I <clears throat> I enjoyed this movie. I like this movie. But it's interesting because when I... What I remember is a funny Robin Williams, haha, great movie. I was rewatching it this time, and as I started watching it, and I'll say why in a second, I started watching it. I'm like, I don't think I'm liking this movie very much. Mm-hmm. I'm really, I don't know that I'm enjoying this movie very much. As the movie went, I'm like, okay, I think I'm enjoying this movie. And then I realized what I was struggling with. I didn't find the Robin Williams character very likable. Mm-hmm. I, I I didn't like, I, I kind of found it almost. It's like, am I supposed to be cheering for this guy? I don't. And, and I really struggled with that. And then about halfway through, I realized, okay, I am liking this movie. This is a very good movie, but the main, the Robin Williams character is, he's not like in the right. You know what I'm saying? He's not this. And then the way they wrapped up the movie at the end where the parents didn't get back together and it was kind of just left at like, Hey, I love the kids. You love the kids. We don't get along together, but that's how we're going to move forward. It, that ending fit for me. And so I ended up very much liking it. If they had somehow tried to figure out a way that they got back together or something, I think I would have liked it less, 
And as, as I recall, that was originally not originally what they wanted to do. They they originally had the ending that they used. They didn't like it, so they cut the they fired the guy that wrote it, found a new guy, wrote a happy ending. It failed miserably with test audiences, or they looked, watched it and said, this isn't what we want. So they got rid of that guy, brought the old guy back, and went with the original ending, which I think fits it a lot, fits the story a lot better. And I think that helped clarify it in my mind. But it was interesting because I was watching this, and I was like, every time the Robin Williams character would get angry or feel insulted that she was coming after him, like that whole thing with the party, well, she's the one that has to deal with the police. You didn't see that. Right. You know, he trashed the house and then he's getting mad at her. And and there was, and then it was like the way they wrote that in was like the ending. Okay. We just can't figure this out. We're not going to, we're not going to be able to get together. And so they, they ended it as separate. And then that, that made sense. So I, I went back to liking the movie, but I almost wish, and I understand that it was a comedy but I almost wish that there were so many things that they did for, for comedy that I really would have liked them to have seen working out that relationship or figuring that relationship out. I, like the Mrs. Doubtfire character, it was awesome. And you know what he did, and he was doing it for his kids and all this kind of thing. But what I didn't process is he was like all wanted to be all party time with his kids. But then as he shows up as Mrs. Doubtfire, and suddenly he, like the first time he gives them the smackdown about, yeah, you're cleaning your rooms. And it was like hardcore. And I'm like, well, that didn't make much sense because he was all about the fun before. So if he was adopting Mrs. Doubtfire sort of as like Bruce Wayne adopts Batman, this was his guys that I would have liked to have seen them. And again, I understand that then they would have sacrificed the Mortal Comedy, but I would like to have seen them like, how did he go through that transition? I didn't see like a character arc with him. Right. It showed him being empathizing with the wife when he was talking to her as Miss Doubtfire and said, he doesn't see. I came home and I cried myself to sleep because he's popular with the kids. But I had this and I had that. I'm trying to do all these things. And he gets his moment of, oh, man, she she really was struggling. But then the very next chance he gets, he's like yelling at her and fighting about some kind of like. He was all offended. And so it's it's a real interesting thing. I, I this time and, and again, maybe I'm just taking the movie too seriously. And I, and I enjoyed it. I finished by enjoying it. But like you said, it was like a sad ending. I think there was a deeper story here that could have really come out. I'm not necessarily saying it would have been better or worse, but there was there was more that I I, I wanted from it. So he he is a nanny, not the nanny we deserved, but the nanny we needed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But so we'll hunt but, him. Yeah. But it was like, but the why, you know, and that was the thing that I, that the one thing I did bump on, I'm like, why, why are you laying the smack down on your kids like that? Yeah. I mean, of anything, I would have expected a little bit more of a Mary Poppins. Oh, you have to take your medicine. Well, a spoonful of sugar. Okay. Let's just sing us. Do you know what? Well, what's interesting is I think watching this as a kid and, and you guys tell me if you feel the same way, watching this as a kid, you definitely, the, the initial vibe is, wow, the mother is mean. Like when I watched this as a kid, I was like, man, the, the mom in this movie, she's no fun. She's mean. Like, no wonder the kids would rather spend time with their dad because look how much fun he is. And I remember that as a kid. Now, watching this movie as an adult, I'm watching this movie and I'm going, oh, that poor woman. 
<laughs> that, that she has to yeah. <laughs> that she has to put up with this man child. And I know that I know that we're supposed to be rooting for the character of Daniel, but I, watching this as an adult, as a kid, I was as a kid, I was like, yeah, he's the funny guy. I gotta, I gotta side with him because look at him, and he's the one dressing up in the funny stuff, and he's doing everything he can to get his kids back and and everything else. But watching it as an adult, I'm like, oh, it, Daniel just make he makes me feel tired, <laughs> and if I feel tired, I'm not married to him. What is <laughs> This this poor woman has to deal with this all the time. And so, yeah, it was an interesting reversal watching this as an adult that the, the person, and I don't want to call her a villain, but, you know, if you're watching this from the perspective of a child, I think Miranda, the mother, the wife, is the villain of the movie. And then I think now watching it, I'm like, nope, there's, I, I don't know that I, I want to say there is a villain at all, but it's definitely not her, and it would actually lean maybe more towards it being Robin Williams's character, and that he has to, to your point, Pat, he actually has to become more stern, like his wife, it, when he takes on the Mrs. Doubtfire persona, he's got to become more like his wife so that he can do the things he needs to do to get his kids back. Yeah, and and again, why did it go? Why did he go so far hardcore like that? I mean, yeah. it, it, they don't explain that. And I, I would have liked it. You got the talent in the movie. Right. I mean, my gosh, you got Robin Williams there. I mean, that, that was, and you know, like I said, the dinner scene, that was humorous. It was going back and forth, but that, that falls into kind of like the comedy and the kind of the silly. And it was, it was great. It was a great vehicle for situational humor and the whole thing. But I just, I watch it now and, you know, we're talking about, do we come back to it? Do we not? And it's like, Hey, this is great. This is a great Robin Williams. He's funny. He's like, but it, it was almost like just the extremes, the opening thing that establishes him as man, why is this guy smoking? I don't want to do this for kids. I don't want to, that doesn't seem to gel with the same one. That's like throwing the complete crazy over the top party with animals in the house. Mm-hmm. That just didn't seem to be the same character. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's like an, an obliviousness to, you know, you've clearly, you've been married to this person for uh, what's the oldest kid. The oldest kid is probably what, 15, 14 in this movie. I think she says 14 years at some point. Okay. So let's, let's say at the very least you've been married for 15 years to this person. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me that you throwing this massive party is going to come as a shock that she's not happy with it. Right. I mean, he knew he said, we've got a couple hours. Mom doesn't get home till later. Like, right. So you're basically sabotaging yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and, and and, and to Pat's earlier point, as an adult, I don't, yeah. To Pat's earlier point, you knew what you had to do, obviously, because you can do it as Mrs. Doubtfire. Sure. Yeah. But what? Like, just for the heck of it, you don't do it. Like, right. When you look at it later, you're like, hmm. hmm." And that's why as an adult, I think the the older I get and the more TV shows and stuff that I watch, and I, and I don't know, I don't think I want to say that they did that on purpose with his character, but I tend to get frustrated when I watch a TV show or I watch a movie. I'll, I'll give the Simpsons a pass because that's just, that's kind of their stock and trade with Homer. But 
I get kind of frustrated when the dad is always portrayed as the, oh, well, he's just the helpless, hopeless ape that can't really do anything. And there were times, there were times when, when our kids were little and my, my wife would, she'd be going somewhere for the day or for the weekend or whatever. And people would always ask, they'd be like, so are your, are your kids going to be okay home Mm -hmm. alone with your husband? And my wife would be like, yeah, why wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. So I like when you have when you have characters that when you have characters that are portraying a father who seems kind of now watching it from an adult perspective, who seems as almost clueless and oblivious as he does at the beginning of the movie. I watch that part of the movie and I go, well, dude, what did you expect to have happen? Mm-hmm. You're, you're acting like a moron. Well, yeah, and I'm, I'm reminded of. The, the Harry Potter story, Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to sit here for a second so everyone can shut off because I don't want to ruin anything. The end of Prisoner of Azkaban, you know, you find out that, again, spoilers, my gosh, if you haven't read Harry Potter, you find out that Sirius Black is a good guy and he was really trying to help Harry, but he needs to get his name cleared. And Harry goes to Dumbledore and says, yeah, but Sirius is innocent. He's like, this is, he's the good guy, blah, blah, blah. And Dumbledore says, I know. But Sirius has not behaved like an innocent man. And that's kind of what I get with this. Okay, maybe he's innocent. He just wants to be with his kids. But he has not behaved like an innocent man. And I mean, again, I don't want this to come down as judgment on the movie. But then I just am judging by the characters. But then it's like, then he's going to court. And it's this big elaborate scene of like, I dressed up as a woman and I dress up. And then we're like, we went from comedy to now we're being super serious. And he's getting lamb blasted in court. It's like, well, what it? What did you expect? You know, you pull a stunt like that at dinner. Like, what did you expect a judge to say? And so, yeah, it, that it was something that, like I said, I kind of went through as I was watching this. Again, just having different feels as an adult, like you said. But it was like, yeah, I'm not enjoying this movie. No, I, I really am enjoying this movie. I just think that our main character is not this sterling figure. or Even someone that goes through like a character arc. Mm-hmm that we, that we see. So, yeah. And again, it's got all the talent and it's entertaining and Robin Williams is funny. And if someone just turns around and says, Pat, you're really being too serious with this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I totally am. Mm -hmm. And I know it's just a comedy, but it's like, I see more to it that it could be Mm -hmm. than just a comedy. It, It could have been him learning that he needed to be stern with his children could have been something that we get to actually see as opposed to, oh, now I've got a bodysuit and makeup on and a dress, and now, boom, once I'm in this, and maybe as maybe as a voice actor, since that's supposed to be his job, he can take on the personas, he can switch personas just like that. But I, to your point, Pat, I think for the purposes of this movie and to make the story even better, I think I would have also liked to have seen the progression of, okay, well... I was not good at this before, and just by putting a costume on doesn't mean that suddenly I'm an expert now. I have to learn, ooh, well, my kids won't listen to me unless I maybe I'm a little more little more stern with them, unless I set some boundaries. Because then, it, to your point, that almost makes him seem like more of a jerk. Wait a minute. You could have turned this on at any point in time. It, this was always there, and you could have turned this on just like a flip of a switch like that. And it could have helped save your marriage possibly or helped with some other things. 
and you just chose not to do it, that mm-hmm. that makes you maybe even more of a jerk. So I don't think they intended that, but I think to your point, I, that would have made that would have watching this as an adult. I didn't get that as a kid. You know, like I said, I, as a kid, I got funny guy. Funny guy is good guy. Mm-hmm. Whereas watching as an adult, I'm like, okay, Robin Williams still funny guy, and I still like Robin Williams. But I'm watching it, and I'm being a little bit more discerning about it, and going, I'm not sure you're learning anything. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I almost need to see you go through a pro- a progression rather than just flip a switch. Right, because it's it's not a straight up comedy movie. It's a drama that has some great comedy bits in it. And if you're going to do a drama about this, then show me the drama. Show me the progression. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I still love this movie. Like you said, you don't dislike this movie. You enjoyed watching it. But I think those type of things, I'm like, that would have that would have put the story over the edge on being just mm-hmm. a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I still really, really enjoy this movie. It's still, it's it's. One of my, it's hard for me to say what my favorites are with Robin Williams, but, you know, it is definitely one, although not one I will rewatch as often, it is definitely up there as, as one of my most memorable and, and favorite movies of his. But, yeah, is there anything, before we jump into three questions, anything else you guys want to say about Mrs. Doubtfire? I think we've covered it. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a question that's not in the three questions. If you Ooh. if you had to become your own Mrs. Doubtfire for whatever reason, what accent would you choose? I'm going to go with the ones well, that would. I, I'm, I'm going to go with the ones either I would enjoy doing the most or that I could do the easiest. I'd say I, I'd either stick with the Scottish, like Robin Williams does, or I'd go Texan because that one would just be much easier. Yeah, you could you could do that. You could, could do that easily. Do that. I can't do accents well, man. I was going to say like I was going to like. Try to even throw a Sean Connery thing in there, but it just for it like wouldn't even be funny. That's how bad the accent is for me. So I don't know. I would definitely need to work on an accent. Yeah. If you could magically do an accent, which which one would you magically want? do? Like I magically like could do it. Flipping accent. a switch, you could turn it on. Would it be Irish? Oh yeah, you know, like the Irish one. Yeah. Would be good. Yeah. Or Italian. Oh, there you, you know, go. like an Italian accent, but then you'd have to speak the language as well. You know, so that's cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Okay. That's a, that's a deep question. I'm thinking too I, much about it. I know. I, Bo, what would yours be? I like the Italian one, but, you know, if, yeah. you, if you want to be, depending on your goal, you could do German and just be very stern. Oh, and, well, that would be. Then the children don't stand a chance. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, what are your credentials? I was stationed at Rammstein. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you're you're hired. <laughs> you will listen, or you will clean the toilets. Yeah. Wash the dishes. Schnell. <laughs> ah, yes. I nope. I was going to say something else. I'm not going to. <laughs> it's probably best. I think. <laughs> I, oh, I pulled that one back from the fire. That was <laughs> that was close. Back it up. Back it up. Back it up. I might share it later. Okay. It's, yeah, yeah. It's time for three questions. It is. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. 
It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Three questions for Mrs. Doubtfire. Who is, question number one, who is your favorite dad from TV, film, or literature? This is tough. Yeah, I, I, I realized that once I asked it. But I think I, I think I settled on Ted Lasso for now. Oh, nice. Not that there aren't a ton, but to Ted Lasso. Okay. Oh, shoot, I did have another one. Well, I'll see if you guys say it, and then I'll mention it. I still have not watched Ted Lasso yet. Oh, so good. Okay. So good. Patrick? Captain Benjamin Sisko. Very nice. That's a good one. I gave it a lot of thought, and then the answer became clear. Yeah. It was clearly not Worf. <laughs> I mean, the man can't open a door. I mean, at that point, what, what good are you? We're referencing we're referencing our uh, our favorite podcast so much, but we're a tribute podcast. We're not like oh, yeah. we don't steal. No, we're not like a cover band. We're a tribute no. thing. But yeah, I I would have to say Benjamin Cisco. We we pay tribute the same way they pay tribute to Dark It was a Dark Material, mm-hmm. and quote unquote <laughs> stole the theme song. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, those are good ones. Those are good ones. One I just thought of off the top of my head was. You know, the one I actually had written down, and maybe this is just because we recently did an episode with Sean Connery in it. I wrote down Henry Jones Sr. Oh, that's good. So I I wrote that one down, and then I I kept thinking for a little bit, and I was like, but if this was like, if this was somebody I'd want to be my dad, like if this TV movie dad, whatever, is somebody that I would want to be my dad, like what kind of... Would that be the top pick that I would go with would, would be Indiana Jones's dad. And I actually, as I was thinking about it, I was like, yeah, I don't know. It may be, but there were certain things about him that were maybe a little bit more stern that I would like and, and things like that. So I might actually switch it up a little bit and say a recent father figure that I think I could really say, yeah, I, I would totally want that as my dad would be President Bartlett. Oh, that's good. good. I think I think that would be I think that would be a good one. But I would also take I would also take Henry Jones Sr. Very good. Either one. Question number two: What is your favorite that that you can remember or that you've been told about? What is your favorite birthday party that you had when you were a child? I don't remember much about the party. I just remember that mom made an R two D two cake. Nice. Yeah. I was pretty, pretty sweet. I, I get the feeling some of our birthday memories are going to be similar. And that does not that does not surprise yeah. me all that much. Because mine, I believe, was either a four, maybe third or fourth birthday, and my cake was a. I believe my cake had a Darth Vader and a stormtrooper on the cake. And then I believe every gift I got for that birthday was Star Wars action figures and vehicles. Nice. So I like it when they stick to a theme. Yes. Yeah. That because when I tried to think of other birthdays from childhood, I was like, 
Well, there was the Star Wars birthday, and then there was Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> and I don't know that I remember, or at the time, what would be Showbiz Pizza. I don't know that I remember a whole lot other than a lot of birthdays were at Showbiz Pizza. I, you know what? I, I take that back. I am gonna list. I am gonna list another birthday because it was an awesome birthday. When we moved over to England, one of my first birthdays when we moved over to England, the town next to us had a, a theater, and sometimes they would do these kind of smaller traveling productions of the shows that you would see in downtown London. And they did a show of it was called Return to the Forbidden Planet. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen this one before. Basically what it is, is it is a, it's a production of Shakespeare's The Tempest. But it is told as if it is a Star Trek style sci-fi setting. And all of the songs are like rock and pop songs from the 1950s. Hmm. So it is a weird and crazy mashup. And I remember as a kid, I, I have hmm. like the program from when we saw it in London and I have the cassette tape of the entire soundtrack on it. I loved this thing as a kid. It was one of my favorite shows that we saw when we were over there. And round about the time of my birthday, they were showing a smaller production of it in the next to the little town we lived in, in England. And so I remember I was able to get, I think three or four of my friends. We went to go see it. We were practically sitting in the front row of this theater saw the show and then I took my friends to I think we went to the Pizza Hut because that was the most American restaurant we could find mm-hmm. we went to the Pizza Hut and I remember we had one of the kids there in particular they just sat and watched my family eat for a moment with our hands and I remember one of the kids mm-hmm. asking my mom excuse me Mrs. Reed may we also eat with our hands and, and my mom just looked at him like yeah Go ahead. Sort of the point. Yeah. Because they were they were all there with their knives and forks. And they're like, Mrs. Reed, may, may we also eat with our hands? <laughs> yeah. just That's what the crust is for. Pick it up and eat it. That's outstanding. So not only was that one of my favorite birthdays, I think that was one of their favorite birthdays, too, because they got to eat pizza with their hands. That's very cool. <laughs> Patrick, what was your favorite birthday? They had a wave pool. Oh my gosh, my yawn. They they had a wave pool. I think they still do. I think it was over in Wheeling. And man, I love the water parks. I love the water. I love the pool. And we got to go to the wave pool. My gosh, I just remember that being a ton of fun and group of friends and just just sitting there being in the waves the whole time. That was that was pretty awesome. Nice. All right. And our third and final question. Of the different meals and foods that are featured in this movie, so this we'll, we'll take a moment and head into the 30-something food podcast. Mm, the, the food. The Inception podcast within the podcast. Of the foods or meals featured in this movie, which one would you choose to eat? That lobster looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. I did, I... I put in the chat there for you gentlemen a link to a blog that I found where this person, I guess several years ago, started going through and doing, the blog is is called Dinner in the Movie and started preparing mm-hmm. meals that were in movies. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that's cool. And they feature the one from Mrs. Doubtfire. It's the, what was it, the carrots? What was it? It was a spinach linguine, shrimp, shallot cream sauce, tomatoes, 
Oh, and then they added carrots to it. But yeah, it's it's I think the when she orders the takeout and then does it. And then the other fun thing is they actually put the recipe for how to make this at the end of the blog post. But Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes, of the different foods in this movie, I'm I, I'm always a big fan of some hot jambalaya. So I think I have to I have to go with some hot jambalaya. I agree with the jambalaya. I like jambalaya a lot. Yeah. And I'd have the cayenne pepper and all that kind of stuff on. Throw as much. Well, you're from, you're from Texas, so you don't need to. I mean, that that was understood. But uh, you can, hey, you can throw, you could, to reference another movie we've talked about recently, you can throw as much cayenne pepper on there as you want, because apparently when it comes to hot jambalaya, I'm a gasper. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, and there it is. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. We were doing so well on the podcast, and then I choked. Apparently. <laughs> Pat, you okay over there? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. It's just that, you know, now every time I see you driving in the rain with the windshield wipers going, I know you got a big smile on your face. Yeah. I just, yeah. it all comes together. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Jambalaya. Jambalaya. Bo, did you say yours? Yeah, I don't know if we got the Bowmeisters. Mm. Yeah, I said the lobster. Oh, the lobster. That's right. Oh, the lo- that's right. Okay. Okay. Now I'm just hungry. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I was so distracted by the. Yeah. That's the problem is we do these food questions. I, well, it's my fault. I come up with the questions, but. We do it is questions. your fault. I'm, I'm glad you recognize that. I know. I know. I'll, I'll try to do better. No, I won't. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Well, thank you, gentlemen, as always, for being here with me. Always enjoy talking movies with you. Thank you, John. This was a lot of fun. Bo, great seeing you. Good to see you, too. Everybody, we are near the end of our Secrets Month of September. Our Patreon episodes were Return of the Jedi, with our Patreon shorts being Scarface and Somewhere Tomorrow. This month we had Rising Sun, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Mrs. Doubtfire was this week, Schindler's List is next week, so a little lighthearted movie for a change. Um, Mm -hmm. And then October is Horror Month. Our Patreon is Something Wicked This Way Comes from 1983. And then our two Patreon shorts are It Started in 93, Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., and It Ended in 93, Cheers. With our regular episodes being Fire in the Sky, Hocus Pocus, Needful Things, Judgment Night, and Leprechaun. So we we are, actually, we are also marching right on towards episode number 500 we're really only about 11 episodes away from episode 500 at this point so if you have not yet got your stuff in to contribute to episode number 500 please do as soon as you can please get those sent in because we'd love to include it in the episode we'll we'll respond to it if we're able to but i've already gotten several really nice messages from folks that have been listening over the years so i'm i'm excited to be able to share those with everybody when we get to that point so gents thank you and we'll see you back here next time That's it for this episode of the 30-something Movie Podcast. Make sure you head over to our website, 30podcast.com, where you can find all the different ways you can interact with the show. Leave us a voicemail, a rating. You can join us on Patreon and get bonus content. There are some great ways to interact with us as the hosts and to find all of our past episodes, 30podcast.com. 
We've got some great episodes coming up for the rest of this month and in the near future. So make sure that you check out our different social media feeds to see what we've got coming out soon. Everybody, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. Be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies. We'll see you back here next time. <laughs>